Hey, and welcome to Content Briefly, the Superpath podcast that explores how content teams operate. We'll be talking to content leaders from the world's best SaaS brands to understand how they think about strategy, org structure, KPIs, reporting, meetings, tech stack, and more. You'll learn exactly how these teams operate smoothly and efficiently. I'm your host, Jimmy Daly, founder of Superpath. We're a 10,000 person strong content marketing community and the best place for content professionals to network, learn, and support one another. Come check out our Slack group, job board, blog, salary report, and more. As we get this podcast off the ground, we're eager to get your feedback. Please feel free to email podcast at superpath.co with any suggestions or ideas. And if you like it, we'd love if you could leave a rating or review in whatever podcast app you use. Today's episode is brought to you by Campfire Labs, the agency of choice for the world's best content marketing teams. Founded as a group of journalists, they approach content a little differently from other agencies, combining storytelling and interviews, editorial management, and marketing best practices. Whether you're scaling an in-house content operation or could use help with a special project, Campfire Labs has you covered. From eBooks to blogs, case studies to white papers, podcasts, and more, Campfire Labs makes it easy to create original, impactful content. Their track record speaks for itself, with clients like Dropbox, Drift, Asana, Notion, Lattice, and others. And if that's not enough, they give 50%, yes, that's five zero half of their profits to Climate Action. You can learn more and book a discovery call at campfirelabs.co and find out how Campfire Labs can help you take your content to the next level. Okay, I'll get out of the way now. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, Jimmy from Superpath here for another episode of Content Briefly. Really happy to have my friend Blake Thorne here today, Director of Content Strategy at Launch Notes. Blake would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself for the people who don't know who you are. We tag you in Slack a lot um, because of your product marketing expertise. Uh, but yeah, maybe you should give us a quick background on who you are, what you do. And then could you also tell us about Launch Notes? Yeah, for sure. So first off, thanks for having me. I'm pumped to be here. You guys are doing awesome content, and I'm really glad that this uh, this new podcast project exists. I'm uh, I, I think I'll end up being your biggest fan of this too. Um, my name is Blake. I uh, have been doing you know content related things for feels like forever now. Uh, I actually got my start doing journalism in college, so college newspaper, daily newspaper type stuff. Call it 2006 to 2015. I did newspaper things. I jumped over to a content role at a startup called I Done This, which is kind of where our mutual acquaintanceship with Walter got kicked off. I did content at another startup called Status Page, moved to Denver. That was like a 15 person, just out of Y Combinator, super fun, more in like the dev tool type space. But that was a great experience. I was kind of marketer number one and uh, content, uh, content manager there. We were acquired by Atlassian and uh, had the opportunity to jump over to product marketing, which I maybe knew existed, but knew nothing about the job. And it was a kind of learn, you know, learn on the job experience, but super fun to explore product marketing at what turned out to be, you know, a pretty iconic company, not just in tech, but in terms of like doing, doing excellent product marketing and doing excellent, you know, go to market things in an innovative way at Atlassian. So learned a ton there. I'm seeing this theme where I kind of pop back and forth from content to product roles. Got a chance to stand up product marketing at a at a company called Process Street. So came in to be the first product marketer and stand up the function back in startup world. Did that for about a year. And then for about the last year, I've been at Launch Notes standing up content marketing. Um, so back in a proper content role, 
working with an awesome product marketer. We're kind of just building out the marketing function and the marketing team here, working with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of folks I've worked with previously. So having a ton of fun standing up content here. And yeah, uh, a bit about launch notes. We are a, uh, we're a SaaS company for uh, product teams. So our kind of flagship product and audience was really around release notes. So you think of the way companies, SaaS products, software products, especially like update their products and do development these days. It's a lot more small changes more frequently as opposed to the old days, the on-prem server model of like, hey, we're going to do a great big, you know, 2.0 release in February. And next February, we'll come out, we'll bundle up everything we worked on all year for the next big release. And we'll do that every year. Now, you know, because of agile DevOps, continuous delivery, some of the technology changes, companies just ship small changes more frequently. So that was kind of our flagship product with, uh, with launch notes. It was just like a better change log designed around that. Since then, we've expanded more into the product manager space with things like shareable roadmap, feedback product insights, kind of building out the toolkit for like a modern product team and a modern product manager. So yeah, that's, um, that's kind of launch notes in a nutshell so far. And, um, what I'm doing is trying to use content to make this the most successful company it can be. It seems like launch notes is kind of like the perfect marriage of your content and product background that all you sort of get to use the expertise you've built in the product world, you know, your experience, the content to bring that together. And I feel like well, actually, maybe could you help folks understand? I think that, um, or maybe this is just me. I sort of lump product marketers, product managers, other product, like you guys use the word product ops sometimes. I kind of lump those together as one group. I know that they're very distinct. Could you explain a little bit of the difference between who a, a product marketer and a product manager are? Yeah. So typically the product manager is often going to sit under, you know, you can kind of think of like the big pillars of like the C-level of the organization and who folks report up to as a good dividing kind of like division metric, right? So typically product managers will report up to maybe this chief technology officer, this kind of R&D organization, Maybe there's like a VP of product or a chief product officer, but maybe it all kind of goes up to head of product, head of R&D. Um, but really, they're the ones working closest with the engineers on what needs to be built, what's being built, how does like the product roadmap help execute on the company strategy. So they're doing a ton of, you know, working with customers, talking to the market, getting feedback, working with developers, trying to figure out kind of like what should be built and how and when. It's a really complex, it's a really complex, you know, important, complicated job. Um, and it's, you know, no surprise, one of the, one of the highest paid jobs in tech, I think is, you know, being a PM, especially if you're at some thing company, because it's just like this really mission critical job. It's what the company is going to execute on the product side. Close to that is, you know, the product marketers and the product marketers are usually I, like I've worked reporting up into the marketing, like the chief marketing officer. So you've, you're kind of like cross-disciplinary, like working with the, uh, with the PM. Sometimes product marketers report into like engineering or R&D or head of product. But really product marketing is working on like when things are built, how do we get them out there? And also how do we do stuff like competitive intelligence, sales enablement? it can be like a really big job. There's a ton of stuff. Like the common refrain you hear from product marketers is like, there's so many different things you could be working on. Like you could be working on, you know, 
an event strategy. You could be working on sales enablement and sales decks. You could be working on competitive intelligence. A ton of them work on like pricing and packaging stuff. You could be doing market research. You could be doing product launches. Um, so it's a lot of like the marketing that is close to the product as opposed to, you know, a lot of folks in content probably do a lot of, you know, brand campaigns, top of the funnel, awareness type type stuff. Not to say content marketers don't work closer to product. And that's kind of something I always talk to, you know, content folks about who want to get closer to product. But, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, roughly a way you could think about those three roles. And then obviously like you get into the nuances of a specific company, like everyone's a little bit different, but that's, that's kind of like a general way of thinking about them. Got it. Okay, cool. That's very helpful. Um, so let's take into launch notes a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about the marketing function? What does the team look like? Where does content fit into it? You know, we're going to get, well, you ahead of this episode sent over some really helpful stuff that I want to dive into regarding, um, the podcast and the community and that type of stuff. And maybe like, before we get into that, could you kind of give us like the broader picture of like marketing at launch notes? What does it look like? Yeah, for sure. So, um, we're at a really exciting stage right now. I mean, we, um, launched as a company probably a few years ago, kind of properly or around 2019, 2020. I think they got some seed funding. I jumped in in 2022. Uh, we announced our series a in like June, May, June of 2022 around there. So we're still kind of like in a lot of ways around our product and our marketing function, like kind of getting the gears in place and like trying things and figuring out what'll work for us as opposed to like a later stage or public company where it might be more like, hey, this is our go-to-market. It's locked in. We're just executing on that. Like we're still in kind of like discovery mode here, which is super exciting. One thing that's really cool about our our marketing function, one of our co-founders, a guy I worked with at Atlassian named uh, Jake Brereton, was the lead product marketer on Jira for like, I don't know, a decade or something like, so it's just like a wizard at product marketing. So we have on the founding team, like a lot more marketing muscle than you would typically see on a founding team. And at, at this stage of company, really like, so that is, um, I think that gives us a little wiggle room at the top of the marketing org chart where we can either put off or just be more flexible on like, Hey, when we want to bring in like a, maybe a VP of marketing role or something like that. Um, so Jake kind of oversees a lot of marketing strategy himself. He brought me in um, to stand up content and, and largely because he had seen at Atlassian and Jira how powerful, you know, and efficient really like organic content, content marketing was, especially a scale at an organization like that. And especially like, you know, we really saw the compounding impacts of like, hey, we've been doing this content community, the website for pushing two decades at Atlassian. And you really got to see like the the effects of like that compounding over two decades. It was like, okay, like we want to stand up some of that. So he brought me in to do content at the same time, someone else I had worked with at Atlassian and status page, Steve Klein jumped in around the same time as me and started building out our uh, Slack community. So we have a community called launch awesome. That is a free community on Slack. I think we just crossed 500 people and it's a bunch of, you know, the type of roles we were talking about product leaders, product marketers, um, product managers, product ops, and there, you know, he's really kind of building that out hand in hand with me on product, mar on, uh, on the kind of organic content and community side. And yeah, and we, uh, we added Adam to stand up product marketing, uh, shortly after Steve and I jumped on. So now we have Adam doing product marketing 
and kind of working with our, we have like a sales leader that he works with super closely as well as like the product manager and the product team. So yeah, that's kind of like, we've got like the rough shell of a, of a marketing function right now. Definitely a lot of, you know, a lot we can grow into and a lot of like stuff we can fill out, but we've got a pretty lean team right now. And I really, we're in like a pretty good place. Like we've got a lean team, we can execute. Everyone's like seen done strategy, but everyone can also kind of like roll up their sleeves and, you know, get shit done too. So can we talk a little bit about how LaunchNet is approaching marketing as a whole? Because it's, it's kind of, I mean, I'm finding it sort of interesting, you know, in, I'm in the Slack channel. Uh, even though I'm not like a proper product person, you guys let me in to kind of like spy a little bit as someone who's very interested in Slack communities. And uh, it seems like it all starts with, it's not that it starts with Slack, it's that it starts with the customer and it starts with their problems and their expertise. And then it seems like the marketing kind of flows out of that. Is that an accurate way to describe it? Am I oversimplifying it or do you think about it differently? Yeah, no, I think that makes sense for sure. Yeah. And and we, um, I think we're, agnostic about what the kind of like front door to our kind of marketing ecosystem is, whether that's the community or social media or the podcast or the website or the blog or whatever. We also have a little bit of like a product virality loop going on with our customers' launch notes pages. So like we'll have a public page, you know, if you're like Loom or Drata or one of our customers, like you have a public page that has like the Powered by Launch Notes link on it, whether that's for like your announcements or your roadmap or something. Other, you know, they broadcast that to their audiences. Some folks can find it through that um, and then sort of discover like, hey, there's a vendor power in this. I want to check them out. So we have a bunch of little kind of like feelers out there. Maybe one day we do really hone in on like, this is where we triple down. But for now, like we're pretty agnostic on like how people find us. Um, and like I said, like we've got some pretty mature sophisticated founders around like marketing our other co-founder tyler had done sales for a long time like we've got a pretty sophisticated understanding of go-to-market and marketing and sales at the top of our organization which is super helpful because we're not kind of trapped in this like call and response direct you know attribution world where it's like hey prove to me this is working in two weeks or we're cutting it off so yeah uh, we're in a really lucky place with that that's really cool that's cool how do you think about so like, okay, so you, you know, you sit down to create content either yourself or have people do it for you. Talk us through that. I mean, you run a podcast, you run a community. Do you, like, are you waiting to see like what people are saying before you starting to think about what you should be writing about? Do you have a list of stuff you want to cover? Is it some hybrid of those two things? Yeah, I would call it a hybrid of those things. Maybe I'll back into, you know, one interesting dynamic when I joined up was I mentioned our kind of flagship product offering was around release notes and that was really in like a product marketer's sweet spot and i remember the early days of launch notes even before i joined it was like this is going to be a tool for product marketers as the sort of company and product strategy has evolved it still is we still have that audience but more and more like the product manager has kind of become our bread and butter and we're like finding ourselves like selling to talking to working with product teams product managers so that's naturally like made the uh, the audience shift a little bit. So I came into Launch Notes thinking like, great, I've done product marketing for a bunch of years. Like I know product marketing inside and out. Like I can write about product marketing stuff with my eyes closed. This will be super fun. And then, you know, and I would, this is good advice probably for any content, you know, content marketer is like if the company, you know, the sites on who your persona and who your target is as a company can change and like 
that's happened in a bunch of companies I've been with. It's like, we think we're selling to this person. Turns out we're selling to that person, or we mm-hmm. think we need to talk to this person. Turns out we need to talk to that person. So like, don't paint yourself into a corner as a, as a content manager or as a, like a, uh, a content lead and like only knowing how to do content for one type of person. Like it's okay if you have your specialty and stuff, especially if you're like, Hey, like I'm a, you know, I'm a dev content specialist. Like, okay. Like a dev tool company is probably not going to pivot to HR, but it's really good to have a system where you can like kind of work horizontally and be like, all right, if the company's going to shift, you know, shifted sites over to this persona, like I know how to like kind of move the content ship that direction too. Yeah. So we kind of, makes sense. we kind of pulled that way, right. By focusing more and more on like product ops and product management, which was definitely less in my wheelhouse. But one thing, you know, I, I would say like two things around content that I am pretty opinionated on and like pretty inflexible on like not these are not really negotiables is number one your content just needs to be grounded in expertise right like people don't want to like the number one complaint with content marketing the number one kind of cause behind the scenes when you see content that is just flat or unremarkable or not making an impact is you have some content writer that doesn't know the topic trying to like string together something authoritative based on 10 minutes of research or based on just opening a blank Google doc and typing like that, that creates flat, bland, bad content that will not stand out. And then the number two thing is, um, just like publishing at a high cadence, ideally across a bunch of different channels and kind of like unique content for each channel, but like just getting a high volume. And this is one thing I learned from Walter too, is just like getting a high volume of content out there. I think that's more important than ever. And there's so much noise to stand through. Like you're not going to break out you're not going to make an impression or break through the noise without getting a high volume of content out there. And I'm starting to notice now too, like in sales calls or with podcast guests or, you know, kind of like networking with other people, people are commenting on our content now more. And it's not one specific piece or, you know, one specific thing that we've done that they're talking about. But I'm hearing a lot of like, man, I'm like senior guys stuff everywhere. Like you guys are just out there. I'm seeing your stuff all the time. I'm seeing your stuff on LinkedIn. I'm like seeing the podcast just like going like, I think there's a lot of like, you know, think of like old fashioned, like brand campaigns. It's like the idea isn't for them to see a billboard once and buy. It's like, we want you to see the Coca-Cola logo over and over and over and over and over again. I think there's an under underrated part of content strategy. That's just like, get your stuff and your name and your content and your brand out there and out there and out there and out there and out there. So when someone brings you up in a meeting, it's like, oh yeah, launch now. It's like, I've, I see their stuff everywhere. They must be legit. That's so fascinating. Actually, I want to touch on both of those things. Let's touch on the cadence thing first, because I think that's somewhat counterintuitive. You know, there's been this shift in recent years towards quality over quantity, which is a super easy thing to say. But generally what that boils down to is a slower cadence. So for sure, you know, if you if you're saying uh, higher cadence is is actually really important. Does quality become a concern? Or when you think about cadence, are you not just thinking about like the atomic unit where maybe the atomic unit is a blog post, but it's like you have one atomic unit, which then turns into X number of tweets, LinkedIn posts, TikTok videos, newsletters, webinars, or whatever else you might repurpose it into. Yeah. So that's, um, I mean, maybe I'll jump into kind of the, the hub and spoke diagram that I shared with you, because that's where this kind of starts to really really come into play and really tie to that, like, hey, is this grounded in expertise and actual expert insight? You know, is there some, is there some meat on this bone, right? Um, And you don't want to be doing stuff where it's like, hey, we're publishing 10, you know, things a day on our blog, but like, it's all meaningless. And this is where I think, you know, 
more traditional media organizations do this well. Content has sort of like had some had some rough starts at this. Some people are getting a lot better at it, but it's kind of like you said, like you have a nucleus of content that then you can spin off into a bunch of different stuff. So we have kind of, there's this diagram I shared with you. A bunch of people are probably familiar with it. You can look it up. It's this like 1950s Walt Disney, like hand-drawn strategy diagram where it's like, we've got our feature films in the middle and we've got all these other like kind of flywheels that connect to that and each other. So it's like, we can make, you know, Snow White, and then we can make a Snow White ride at Disney World, and people watch the movie, and then they want to go to the theme park, and then they go to the theme park, and they want to buy the T-shirt, and the merchandise is another thing. And now I want to buy a Snow White T-shirt, and I'm out there wearing a Snow White T-shirt, and someone sees that and wants to wants to watch the movie, and then they watch the movie, and they want to go to the park, and then they want to buy the toy, and they want to buy the toy for their kid, and their kid wants the frozen Elsa doll for Christmas, and it's like you can see like Disney like literally still doing that today. They've been doing that for like seven decades now. And they're like one of the, if not the most, you know, valuable media companies in the world because of it. We basically copied that. <laughs> and our version of that is we have put a couple different programs. One is our co- is our podcast where it's, you know, conversations kind of like this, but we're bringing in product managers, product leaders, product ops, product marketing. We're bringing them in for like in-depth, you know, 20, 30 minute conversations. We also have like a live version of that that we promote through our community and run through our community. Oh, that's interesting job with these. Oh, I like that. Like, we should do that. <laughs> yeah, you should do this. And it's like, it's just like this, but it's like a live event. We're using Hopin for it and it's really cool. Like it's a live event. People can ask questions and that's cool because we can like promote that ahead of time. Unlike a podcast where it's like, you don't really promote it until like the episode is done. But like, yeah, we also take the recording and put that on our podcast feed and put that on our YouTube channel. So we have this like, center of gravity around long form audio and video recorded conversations, chiefly the podcasts and the AMAs, right? And they have 20 to 40, 50 minute conversations with experts. And not only is that, it's a great sort of center of gravity for the whole strategy, because I like to say it's, it's like low friction and high fidelity. There's some friction to it. You know, you got to get the guests, you got to book, they got to make time, they got to come on. But in my experience, like it's a lot easier to have, it's a lot easier of an ask to be like, hey, you're an expert in, in uh, product management. Come talk for half an hour. We'll record it. Like that's not that hard. That's kind of a 30 minute ask as opposed to like we just had a uh, Des Trainer, who's the um, uh, founder and chief strategy officer of Intercom on the show. Like if I had said like, hey, Des, will you write a blog post for us? That's a way more like high friction ask, right? Like. We got to workshop the topic. There's going to be reviews and edits and he's got to sit down. That's way more than a 30 minute ask. That's a really high friction ask. And the other thing is these are like high fidelity. This is like a high fidelity output with the podcasts and AMAs. We're like, you've got the end product is audio, video. You can take quotes out of the video. You can spin it up into um, a blog post, a tweet thread, uh, something on LinkedIn, quote for your website. Whatever you want to do with that is just remixable in so many different ways because it's like, we've got this high fidelity output. We've got words, video, audio, infinitely remixable. So we get that as the sort of like high fidelity, low friction sort of center of gravity. And we're just trying to like pump through that too. Like we're doing AMAs one or two a month. We're doing like multiple podcasts a week. We're doing like our own. We have like a live show on Fridays that we throw on YouTube and put on the podcast feed that is uh, 
a couple of us from launch notes, just kind of like a more casual conversation about like product topics that week. So we have all those that then we can spin off into, like I said, if we want to do, you know, an article about like backlog grooming or like how to like manage your backlog as a product manager. Now we have this like database of like product conversations with experts that we can jump into and literally pull like, hey, cool. Like we want to write this, like we can do, you know, we've probably got a half dozen quotes and insights from the podcast already on this topic. If we want to put together a blog post or a tweet thread or something on LinkedIn about that, or like a short, you know, we're, we've got an agency we're working with that just has direct access to all our videos and they're cranking out like two or three clips a day and putting them on TikTok. And we've seen our like TikTok page in a month grew to like 5,000 followers. Oh, and we don't have to, yeah, I don't have to really do anything because I'm just like, hey guys, like here's the, here's the library of conversations and expertise. And then they just spin that up into clips. So it becomes really like scalable in that regard. Um, I think there's something else on this topic too. There's a bunch, there's a bunch to this topic, man. Like there's, yeah, there's a ton of cool stuff you can do on this. I have more questions. So you actually, you, you, yeah. I feel like in that answer, you, you really kind of captured both of your inflexible things, subject matter expertise and cadence. You've kind of tied them into one, which I think is pretty cool. A few follow-up questions. I find that it's like everybody knows they should repurpose and remix content, but they don't do it. I think it's an operational thing. They're like, who does this? Or they do it for like a couple of weeks and they kind of get tired of it. So the first question is, who does it? And how do you ensure it continues to be done? And then um, the second question is on this like subject matter expertise database thing you mentioned. That's a business. Yeah. If someone should just build that as a product, because if you could just dump all your stuff into a place and then writers could search for yeah. anytime someone mentions the word backlog grooming and you already have quotes from a product leader and a well-known company like that's amazing so there's a lot here but do you have a, a formal process for that or are there tools you're using to keep all that stuff together so for one i'm like yeah like i really do want this like this idea of like a library and database like not only is like the long-form content like stuff we put out in the world and like valuable in its own right and stuff you can build an audience around and promote and all that there's a ton of value to like having it as this like and i imagine it as like a searchable database, like you described, where it's like, we have this like record of expertise and insights and we've kind of flipped it, right? The, um, the traditional way of like, Hey, I want to do an article about backlog grooming. Okay. Now I've got to go find a PM who knows this and I've got to schedule an interview and talk to them. And that's going to get like drawn out for three weeks. We now already just have like so many topics we can dive into that I could hire someone who knows nothing about content for knows nothing about product marketing, but knows content and then just, you know, unleash them on this like treasure trove of insights and quotes we have, and they can like go do content off of it. So we are kind of building that out. We're using a, um, we're using a research tool called dovetail right now to like throw all this into generate transcripts. It's searchable. I think there's going to be some cool advances in this kind of field. And I think we'll be able to have something really cool. And that's actually been, I'm kind of sharing this with our our R&D and design team right now, they're getting some value out of putting. So that's super valuable. I'd say to your other question around like, around whose job is it to repurpose? Uh, I think the value of it, the way we're doing it is you can kind of take it as a case by case thing and you can kind of scale it out. And I could scale out a content team or, you know, you can add freelancers. We've got some freelancers we're working with. I'm doing a bunch of it myself. Steve on the community is doing a bunch of it. And it becomes a thing where it's like, you can start adding to or growing your content program off of this 
without having to really do like the typical thing, which is the hardest thing. Like if you said like, Hey, we want to, let's add a newsletter. We should do like a newsletter. We're doing a newsletter, but say we didn't. And someone was like, we should do a newsletter. Well, the the hard thing is going to be like, all right, what's the content going to be? What are we going to write about? What are we going to, it's like, we don't have that. Like we have this like treasure trove database of insights and expertise and conversations. We can just mine for content from the newsletter. And someone who's good at content but doesn't know the topic can do that. Like, as you know, like it's kind of a dream job for a junior content marketer, really. So we could add folks to that. I would say the other lesson on this is like, we don't really think of it as repurposing. I guess you could call it that, but I see a lot of people doing repurposing and they think like, instead of treating it like I'm creating unique content for different channels based off this kind of primary source material, they're kind of just doing like shitty promos for like the original thing. So that you see this all the time where it's like, I wrote a blog about something. Now I'm going to like take a highlight from the blog and just like, they're always trying to like link back to the blog. Like you see that. And instead of saying like, you know, like we're not doing that. Like we're not, we'll like take some insights from a conversation and maybe like make a tweet thread or make a LinkedIn post or put something in our newsletter. Maybe it links back to the blog. A lot of times it doesn't or back to that original conversation. And I think people miss that where it's like, you can just like create unique content that's consumable within this channel and organic to this channel rather than like a glorified promotion for a link back to your blog. That is such a great point. I feel like what you're honing in on it is what I think of as the difference between promotion and distribution. Promotion is, yeah. hey, we wrote this thing. Come to our website so we can count a page view that you've looked at it. Whereas distribution is much more platform native, which by the way, all the platforms yeah. prefer, right? Like LinkedIn would much exactly. rather you create native content for their platform. That's yeah. why they don't want you putting links in the post. They, you got to hide it in the comments. But, if, right. but I think it all plays into your kind of point you made earlier about making sure that people see you kind of all over the place, which I think is, I actually read recently that if you see a company or, or an individual five times across various platforms, that's like the tipping point where it feels like they're everywhere. But five is not actually that many, particularly like you spend all day on the internet, you know, you probably are checking yeah. different social platforms. You've got podcasts, you get email, like it's not that difficult actually to get in front of someone five times if you're optimizing for the algorithm that makes sure your stuff is surfaced to those people. For sure. And yeah, like you make a good point, like people... People end up ignoring the nuances of the platform they're creating content for because they're just trying to link back to the thing rather than saying like, hey, you know what? Like LinkedIn is going to bury this if I put a, if I slug a link into it or Twitter is going to bury this if I slug a link into it. But if I just like take the valuable stuff and put it out there, like it could go crazy. So, you know, we do a lot of that. And that also ties back to like me being very grateful. We have some like pretty sophisticated marketing thinkers at the top of the organization who aren't going to hit me with like, why isn't there a link in that? And you know, why are yeah, we, that's really true. Why isn't there a UTM tag? And it's like, okay, like you're kind of missing, you know, you're, you're sort of missing the forest through the trees here. So yeah. Th that reminded me, I wanted to ask you about metrics. What do you care about right now? Like what numbers do you care about? And also I'll just sort of highlight the importance of a, once you sort of let go of the idea that page views are the only thing that matter, it's a lot easier to reframe your thinking, getting in front of people on various platforms because you're not just focused on that on that click or that page view. So like yeah. since you're not doing that, right? I assume maybe page views is like on your radar, but like what what are you looking at? What do you care about? Yeah, yeah. So I would say like baseline, we do just you know, like the the kind of core engagement metric for whatever channel, like we kind of keep an eye on all of that, right? Like so for our newsletter, like we're watching open rates and click rates. For a blog, we're watching page views. 
for, you know, for the podcast, we're watching, you know, listens and downloads and, you know, like we, we kind of just like do the basics of like, okay, we kind of know how everything's doing. We know thing, when things do well or, or not. The kind of core, we kind of keyed in this year on a few things we really, really care about. One of them is just podcast audience. Like we think there's an opportunity to reach a really massive audience with this podcast. And we also think like the inherent value of someone who listens to like, it's such a more in-depth, intimate, you know, a blog article can go viral and way a million people clicked on it, but doesn't really tell you anything about like how memorable of an impression you left on them. We really believe like if you're in someone's ears for, you know, hours a week, potentially like you've built a relationship, they will remember you. So, and we've also seen some other podcasts in our niche. We've kind of reverse engineered some of their metrics and triangulated around this idea that like, Hey, there is, there is an audience, there's audiences out there. And like, if we capture some percentage of it, we have a pretty massive audience with the podcast. So that's like a major focus area for us this year in terms of like a top line metric that we're like really trying to push as opposed to just like, hey, we care about it. We watch it. The other thing we're working to stand up more like I'm a big believer in this sort of like self-reported attribution. I could talk more about what that is if you want to. But like this like self-reported attribution movement that's going on right now, like you're seeing a lot of companies do it and a lot of smart marketers push it. We've implemented this on so I mentioned the Slack community we have, and there's, I should say, different set of sort of like goals and, you know, kind of ancil, uh, sort of dovetail strategy with our, our community too, that Steve's kind of championing. With the community, we back in the fall implemented, like we have a form that you fill out to get into the community. We implemented a self-reported attribution field. So we just ask people when they go to, to join our Launch Awesome Slack community, how did you hear about us? Yeah. And then we piped that into a, we piped that into the community channel in Slack. So we just get, you know, when someone new signs up, we see, you know, what are the fields we ask for, who they are, what's their LinkedIn, what's their email, what did they type into, how did they hear about us? And man, that is such a treasure trove. Like it's messy data, right? It's, it's unstructured. It's not as clean of a experience data wise as you'd get if you just put radio buttons in front of people, but the insights just can't be beat. Like to start to see the signal like one example is like today, like some pretty like influential product manager just like tagged us in a question about uh, great product management communities. And we've just seen this like monster list. Like we, we typically sometimes see Twitter show up. We've just seen like an endless feed today of people typing in Twitter into that field because it's like, oh, yeah, we popped on that and that might last for like another day or week or whatever. And then it'll go back to some other things. But it's such invaluable insights to see like you know, if we just looked at Google Analytics or attribution software, it'd be like search, direct, un uncategorized signal that we're starting to see through that channel is just awesome. And we really want to implement that on the product side. So when people go to do, we've got kind of a dual like PLG plus sales, uh, go to market motion here. So you can come in and do get a sales request or you can do a free trial. Like we just want to put that field in front of people this year and start to see similar insights on the product side. So like, are people typing in like, hey, listen to your podcast. Hey, I saw the AMA with Dave Schools. Hey, I, you know, uh, your friend recommended me, forwarded me, forwarded me a copy of your newsletter. And then I came to check out and the product looks cool. So we're trying to implement that down the road. I think we could clean up the data and get some more sophistication around it. But step one, we, you know, crawl, walk, run is like a kind of mantra we use a lot here at Launch Notes. Like we just want to get that implemented so we can start to see, like, if we just ask people how they found out about us, like, what are we going to learn? And my suspicion is that it's going to tell us a lot about, 
you know, our content, our community, the different programs we're doing, what's making an impact. So that's like a major, it's a major kind of like a metric and initiative we have this year. That's awesome. We, we do something similar for our community and the answers are fascinating. Like we had some folks, <laughs> not, we've had a couple of people say things like, uh, my mom thinks I should get into content marketing <laughs> or like, you know, <laughs> yeah. or some, sometimes people will say stuff like really interesting. Like they'll say, you know, um, I was, I was laid off from my, from my job and I was looking for a new content marketing role. So it was like, not only do you find out how, so then they Googled us, but they, you also found out that, um, they have this particular situation and, uh, yeah. then you can direct them to stuff that can help them. So it's so funny with the attribution conversation, just really quickly, like in SAS, at least we're all selling these collaborative multi-product, multi-seat experiences yet we expect like the buying path and buyer journey to be this like single player thing. Mm, that's a great point. Which is just like a misalignment, I think. And it's much more like, hey, our chief product officer, you know, heard about you and then his friend recommended you at a conference and then this guy listened to the podcast and, you know, like you'll never get a 100% grasp on all of that, but it's just, there's just that misalignment there that, that we're trying to close the gap on a little bit. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I remember back in the animals days when I was doing sales there, we found that um, when you ask people, how did you, how did you hear about us? If you did it on a sales call, you would always get two answers. Never one, always two. And it was, it was something like you said, it's like, I read a blog post and then yeah. a peer who I really trust recommended I reach out or like, you know, I saw you in a tweet and then, you know, I heard a podcast where someone on the team was interviewed. So it was always like right. one thing put us on their radar. The second thing encouraged them to actually like book a call or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Which is like impossible to track and like no multi-channel attribution is ever going to discover all of that. I want to make sure we get you out of here on time. I have a couple more just kind of like nuts and bolts questions for you. So you mentioned, yeah, so there's, there's you, there's Steve who runs community, Jake co-founder with deep product marketing experience. And then there was a, another person you mentioned who you brought on as a product marketer, how do the four of you or, or other people on the team communicate about marketing? Do you have, do you have like a weekly standup call? Is it mostly just Slack? Like, is, I guess the question I'm getting at is how formal or informal is the way that you all kind of communicate, share insights, plan, strategize, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, um, I moved as a total company, we're less than 50 people and it's like less than, you know, less than 10 or a half dozen. You basically outline the entire marketing team. So, um, it's pretty, I would say it's very informal with some like kind of benchmarks, uh, intentionally some, some like more formal artifacts sprinkled in. Um, so we're, you know, we're talking to each other on Slack all the time. We're very, uh, we're all so far a team of like, Hey, can you come hop in a huddle real quick? Like we're big on just like the quick call and the informality of like the digital version of like oh, like, can I tap you on the shoulder and like, can we jam about this for like four minutes or whatever? Not everything needs to be like a 30 minute meeting. So we do a lot of that. Also sort of cognizant as we build out the team, people have different styles and sort of like neuro patterns and that might not work for everyone. But for our group now, it works great. We have a weekly, we have a weekly marketing sync. We have a Monday meeting. This is actually kind of a cool thing to talk about. So if you look up this concept called, uh, I think this guy Raj was at Atlassian. I think I don't want to give him credit for something if he didn't make it up, but I think he created it, or maybe he yanked it from Google when he worked there. This concept of outbound theory, I think he has like done some writing about outbound theory, um, and we basically swiped that concept. We have a, a Monday meeting with all of us on the marketing team plus our product manager called Outbound Theory, and it's literally just 
what's getting out this week? And that's product marketing, community, myself on content, product side. And it's very focused on like stuff that's actually coming out and not like, hey, here's a check-in on something that'll be delivered six months. It's more like what's getting shipped. So it kind of keeps us, you know, kind of keeps the fire under us in terms of like shipping a lot on the marketing side. And it's, you know, it's very focused to like Monday to Friday. What do we got? What are we going to hit on social? What's going on in the community? What's, you know, who's coming on the podcast? What are we getting on the blog? Whatever newsletter. And we just kind of like hit that on Mondays. Um, and then the other thing I would add is we're big on, you know, getting together in person a handful of times a year. Like mm, just, yeah. you can't, you can't, you, you can't duplicate the kind of like connections and relationships you can build by just like getting together, having a couple dinners together, hanging out doing some work in person. Uh, so we just did one of those last week and we'll probably always have a handful of those on the calendar every year. Yeah, that's awesome. So helpful. Quick follow-up is you're saying outbound theory or theory. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll find that. I'll, I'll link that because of that. I am super interesting. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some writing Raj has done on that. That's, um, that we're fans of. Okay, cool. I want to ask you about the podcast too. Uh, some teams, uh, some teams have podcasts under a content kind of under the content um, umbrella. Some, some companies have, uh, podcasts, like almost like a separate team. How do you think about it? Like, and, and I guess part of, part of what I'm getting at is, do you find that your skills as a content and product marketer translate well to the, to the audio medium, or is that a new thing you've had to learn? I think so. I mean, I think there's some technical, there's, there's obviously some technical things you have to figure out, like how to talk, how to, have equipment, how to have a good setup, how to book a guest, stuff like that. Like it's not a, it's not like a automatic thing, you know how to do, but the core of it, if you're doing content, like you understand what makes a good story, you understand what is compelling information, you understand what's going to create good content. Like I would say the, the foundations, if you're like a content marketer, you're like, you've got a really good foundational skill that you can then go build podcasting on top of. Yeah. Okay. Got it. That makes sense. And I also wanted to ask you about reporting just quickly before we let you go. Yeah. Let's do, do you have, a, you know, is there like a spreadsheet you fill out each month? Is there, you know, do you exporting stuff from Google Analytics or, or is it more like because you guys are kind of still in this discovery phase and communicating like very frequently about this that you just sort of, you know, you kind of trust your gut that the stuff is either moving in the right direction or it's not. I mean, I think we all just have like such a tight knit relationship right now that like that hasn't really, the one thing we've done to kind of calcify that as an organization is we, um, we stood up like an actual annual planning and reporting process. So we, uh, we swiped this idea from Salesforce called like the V2 mom, um, which like, you know, Mark Benioff and Salesforce sort of like pioneered this like kind of strategy and, um, kind of like cadence of planning and strategy and reporting, um, and we've kind of made that fit for us. This is like year one of that. So there's there's some baked into that in terms of like, hey, what are your kind of like KPIs? Where exactly are you tracking against it? But again, like we're, um, I think we're in a lucky place. Like all of us have, a lot of us have done the big company. A lot of us have done startups. I think we're smart enough to know what we should pick and choose from like big company playbook for the stage we're at right now and not just try to blindly like be, you know, more bureaucratic than we need to be right now. Got it. Makes perfect sense. Blake, can't thank you enough for taking time to chat with us. Dude, where can we send people? Obviously, we'll send folks to launch notes. I was going to say we'll send folks to launch awesome, the community, but I'm guessing you don't want a bunch of content marketers in there. So we won't do that. Where else? You know, I mean, your own Twitter, LinkedIn newsletter or anywhere else. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, you can find me. Um, thankfully, there aren't a ton of Blake Thorns out there, so you can find me on LinkedIn pretty easily. You can find me on Twitter at Blake Thorn. Super happy to to jam about content, product marketing. Uh, if anyone wants to talk, I'm kind of an open book. So yeah, find me in those places. Hit me up if you want to chat. Cool. And how about your newsletter? Uh, yeah, so uh, I've been doing uh, head to computersandwich.com. I've been sort of sporadically sharing my thoughts on uh, artificial intelligence, trying to trying to get a handle on that and try to do something a little different than just like the links roundup. Um, so that's been that's been fun to dive into. So yeah, that's computersandwich.com. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll leave links for all this stuff to be cool. Um, cool. Blake, awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Jimmy. Take care and see ya.